What's up, guys? Welcome to The Jay Martin Show. My name is Jay Martin, and my guest today is Howard Lindzen, a serially successful entrepreneur, founder, founder of StockTwits, one of the largest global marketplaces for uh, financial Twitter. He is a seed investor in a series of super successful companies, names like Robinhood, for example, made himself a pile of money as an investor. What I wanted to talk to Howard about today is how companies have raised money over the last 10 years versus how they're going to have to during the next 10. And what I'm talking about is a complete revaluation of how growth companies are viewed by the marketplace. So we covered that. I also got Howard's thoughts on where he's allocating capital today after decades of high risk, early stage investing. He's looking at the market differently today. And I wanted to get his thoughts on Musk's takeover of Twitter and what he thought was going on behind the scenes there. Anyways, here is Howard Lindzen. As always, beneath this piece of content, there is a link where you can subscribe to my weekly newsletter. I publish every Sunday and I absolutely love writing it. Would love to have you join the team. So hit that link. And, uh, and you'll hear from me every Sunday. Here is Howard Lindzen. Enjoy. All right, guys, welcome back to The Jay Martin Show. And I'm joined right now by Howard Lindzen. Howard, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. I, we both dressed up. We, <laughs> you know what? My audience is giving me crap about that. Because I used to wear a collared shirt and then I started showing up in a t-shirt and they're calling me out in the comments. But you know what? I felt like I don't, I, I used to run an, an investment conference company, eight to 11 conferences per year. I had an office downtown. I wore a suit every day. But who am I kidding today? You know, if I put a suit on, it's just for the show. Like it's like a costume at this point. You know, this is how I dress. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I grew up, at, I'm 57. So I grew up when you had to wear a suit. And I remember... I didn't know the rules of the game. And I was, uh, so it was like 19, it's called 91. And I was working as a stockbroker. And so I bought a bunch of suits. Yeah. It's Phoenix. So it's really hot. And, uh, you know, so I remember having to go to a meeting in Dallas to, okay. the, to the head office. And no one told me that there was like, like that's how bad that's how serious dress i took a bunch of short sleeve dress shirts just okay. so melt yeah and i remember like in a big meeting at a big meeting but like in like a meeting with all the other brokers and my bosses like i took off my jacket and i was the only one with like a short sleeve <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> like an, i mean it was just funny it was like a seinfeld moment so it's like and now we can wear underwear and no pants so yeah. the world is uh <laughs> i mean we can wear and i'm wearing pajamas so like i'm an investor personally first plug I'm an investor in a company called Jambies, which uh -huh. is kind of like the funniest brand. It's like it's like a Netflix and chill underwear. Like it's just underwear for watching Netflix. That's basically we've given up on life just by Jambies, right? It's a really yeah, great, yeah. comfortable product. And I don't wear pajamas. So now they have like put my corporate logo on like a pajama sweatshirt. Uh, and I wear this around a lot and it's just so comfortable. Like why? Why do people not wear just pajamas all day? You know, it's a good question. I yeah. struggle with the with the brands. Like once I find a brand that I that fits well, and I just go all in on it, and I'll just order as you it, should. Just I, yeah, it just takes the thought process out of it, right? So my closet is like if it you looks feel like, good. Who cares if it's twenty of the same things? Right, I'm with you. On the that idea one. is to be your best self, and if it means wearing the same thing every day, you know, how is that different than taking a drug? 
So, you know, now a lot of fake people have done that, as we've seen the Steve Jobs copycats and the whatever, meaning like it still should be individualized. It's not that I mean you have to wear a black turtleneck, as we saw with Theranos. Yeah, yeah I was going to um, say, yeah. Yeah, but those yeah, are right. people that just, you know, they're they're predators. But uh, But at the same time, as an individual, and we're seeing this with kids with iPhones, we're already off topic, but, you know, if everybody has the same hat and shirt in 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 iphone of course they're going to express themselves with watches and the same apple watch no wonder rolexes were popular for kids versus a car and no who had some money and no wonder like thousand dollar shoes were popular it's their only way to flex you know when yeah. i was yeah you had to buy a honda or a price you had to have a car and a and now you don't and so who's like all these people making fun of millennials are spending money on LVMH or whatever. It's still a lot better than pissing it away on a car and insurance. And it's just the, 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 the silliness of like labeling things when, you know, I was just talking about this LVMH to burn He's the wealthiest guy in the world. And, and the tech guys are making fun of saying it's depressing. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's depressing that you guys think that animate like live objects around brand and provenance and luxury are stupid. Whereas, you know, us, us, you know, kowtowing to our tech overlords is kind of stupid, right? Like we're going to, yep. someone's going to be coming for you. So I think we live in a world now, you know, 2023, as we enter it, where the signal is not that this is, there's going to be more LVMHs. Like there's going to be people, and we saw it with the Shopify boom and the Alibaba, and that's over a little bit because of Facebook, but you're going to see more companies go LVMH, high margin, high profit, you know, the aloes of the world that are higher priced than Lulu, um, the Rafas of the world in cycling that are higher priced and specialized, where you can actually make a living. And if you take care and build great products, people will pay for it. And because of the affinity and millennials do that, right? Whether it's Rolex or Nike or Aloe or LVMH. Yeah. Guess what? They'll cut costs elsewhere. They'll cut costs elsewhere. They're willing think- to live with their parents, which people are making fun of. But yeah, they, yeah, yeah. But but that's but them spending money in the economy is more productive than putting all their money in the house, which has no productivity, right? Which just sucks resources. So people's thinking is warped, and they're putting it all on Gen Z and millennials that. It's not, it's not your fault or a Gen Z's fault that they grew up with a magic wand in their hand, um, which is an iPhone. It's not my son's fault that he has Netflix, YouTube. He didn't ask for it. It just is. So, of course, yep. we're raising different people. Um, parents still need to be parents and like understand the, the background of all this. So we're seeing some like this, we are talking at like this is one of the most interesting times in financial markets, at least since 08. Everything else has just been easy. And so here we are and, and everybody's wrong. And the people that think they're right are just about to be proven they're wrong. And so this is an important time to like really think through what's working and why it's working and how the markets uh, are, are going to kick somebody's ass. Like they're out there to kick some ass right now, the markets. And um, it's interesting to see, look at what it's doing to Elon Musk right now. I mean, he's losing $30 billion a day in his baby because he bought Twitter. Right. Right. And, now and he's on Twitter of- and he's on Twitter saying, well, you know, Tesla's going down because of macro conditions. I go, well, you're 
but you went out in these bad macro conditions and paid $44 billion for an asset <laughs> worth $8 billion. Like, yeah. why am I trusting you? Like, what? Like, you can't talk out of both sides of your ass. Yes, you knew the macro conditions, hence you sold your Tesla stock, which was genius. Then you went out and handed $30 billion to Twitter employees that you thought were stupid and fired them. So you just transferred $30 billion of your wealth to unhirable Twitter employees. Pretty pretty interesting moments where everybody's being, the market's just throwing shade at everybody. Yeah. Okay. Now I want to, I want to pick so much of that apart. So, you know, I want to talk about the, the shift, right. And you referenced Howard Mark's recent letter, uh, the seed change, right. And I want to get into that because I feel like you've hinted at a few things there just now. But prior to that, when you talk about, so the founder of LVMH is now the richest person in the world. The significance of this is that, you know, LVMH, for anyone who's not familiar, as I was not, is, you know, an ultra luxury brand distributor, essentially, right? Like, we're talking about champagne, perfume, uh, luxury purses and clothing like Christian Dior, Louis Vuitton, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it struck me as surprising because a trend that I'm seeing, Howard, you let me know if you're seeing this too, is like, you know, a trend towards simplicity and towards, um, I guess, more like primitive asset ownership, right? A trend away from speculative growth companies and towards more um, value generating, uh, dividend paying, you know. But in general, just as a lifestyle shift, I'm watching people moving from from large cities to small towns and simplifying their life a little bit, right? Simultaneously, the richest person in the world is now, you know, the biggest distributor of the most expensive products the world has to offer. And so are there are there two opposing trends and forces at play when, when you think about it like that? <laughs> no, because we're at the early stage of thinking it through. It may just be a bad data point. Remember, you can torture data to make it seem whatever you want. So... So the only data that we can all look at, and it's the same no matter where we look at it from, is price data, right? Like, so the reason the stock market's interesting is so many people, Canada, US, rest of the world, is you see the Google price, I see the Google price. We can argue about it, but the price is the object, right? <clears throat> Very few industries have that. Um, so that's where the world, you know, that's what the world settles on. Now, because we have this is where the Howard Marks stuff comes in, it's not like we'd have to be rocket science. I was buying T-bills four months ago because if you can make four and a half percent in something you were making zero percent in and you're worried about how you used to make 15 percent in stocks, uh, you're worried you're tired of being down 15 percent or 20 percent. Four percent is a good place to hide out mm. and lick your wounds um, while you, you know, we all, you know, we were all Kathy Woods. Uh, because she wasn't the only one trend following, but you can't be Kathy Woods on the way down. Only Kathy Woods has been Kathy Woods on the way down. A complete bumbling mismanagement and false profit, um, because you know you can't go up eighty percent and lose it all. You weren't good, right? And you know, so so that's the era that scares me more than like predicting what's happening next. We there's more there's too many Kathy Woods that i don't know if it's her fault or you know the fed's fault but interest rates have changed everything and i don't know what the hell kathy woods is talking about because if she was smart you know it, did, it took howard marks he knew this six months ago but he's clearly expressing it now is that like interest rates really are the reason 
Mm -hmm. And Elon Musk is saying this in his replies, like it's the Fed. And it's like, okay, smarty pants, if it was the Fed and you knew it was the Fed and you knew Tesla was going to face headwinds, why are you buying the the riskiest asset in the world, which is run by lunatics uh, with 7,000 employees that will never pay back its bonds? So everybody, no one knows except you know, the markets and the markets are saying high interest rates give people too many choices that they didn't have before that make it very hard to say, I want to be in stocks because four and a half percent is a real alternative, a risk-free alternative. It's fantastic. Now it may not be fantastic if rates go to 8% because, you know, I've, I've wasted all that, you know, I've got my money locked up at four and a half percent. I got to wait for it to expire to go get the 8%. Okay, but it is a great place to hide out because if, if rates do go to 8%, yes, I'm in short-term nodes and I'll go grab the 8% next year. Definitely won't go into stocks. And if rates go back to 2%, yeah, I miss a great year probably in stocks, but my bonds are worth a lot more as well. So, so in a world where you have choices, not just like the riskiest assets, this isn't just going to change again overnight. That's why he's talking about there being a sea change. And there's just not enough people that have caught on to that. If Howard Marks is just writing about it and he's one of the best investors of the world, mm -hmm. you and I think about it and go, oh, we read it, we understand. But 99.9% .9 of the other people have not. And so the significance of you know, calling it a sea change, because you can look at so many trends that are shifting today and think, oh, well, that happens often, right? Markets go up, they go down, interest rates maybe pivot a little bit. But what Howard Marks is talking about is far more significant than, you know, in his career of 50 some years, right? He's identified right. two sea changes thus far and believes we may be entering the third, which would be a shift from like the 40 year bull market we've just experienced into whatever comes next, yeah. right? And so if you were to think that through, Howard, you know, what comes next if if the sea change is as profound as he's explaining well, it to be? Like what? Yeah. Great question. I, I'll premise everything with I'm 57 years old. I'm pretty wealthy, you know, uh, mostly self-made. Um, so I have choices that other people don't. Sure. I have a home and a vacation home and live in the sun and pay low taxes in Arizona. So like there's, I... You got to put all this stuff in perspective if I'm going to give people like my opinion. You know, my kids are out of the house. They seem happy. Um, yeah. I don't have alimony payments. I'm still married. Uh, I have my health kind of. And but everything can change like overnight. So I'm 57, closer to my grave and only thinking about legacy. I'm not thinking about taking extra risk. Now, I could think about that until recently. Because recently, I didn't ever own a bond right? until like this year. It was like, okay, the your money sat in your cash. Let's say it's a million or 10 or 100, you know, or, 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 or 500K or 10K. If it's 10K, yeah, your money should be in cash. I don't know what to tell you. Like you don't have six months of cash. It's why are you even looking at investing? Like it's fun to read and build a hobby, but like you got to be in cash. You need to survive. Uh, you know, once you get... To a net worth of 10 million, you know, and you have the choice of putting 10 million to work in the stock market or venture capital or or leave it in cash. Um, you know, the, the the choices get easier if, if your network is good because you're going to see interesting deals. 
And your choice is, man, I'm, you know, if it sits here in cash, I'm staring at it, it's going to be worth the exact same next year. And eventually, if you're smart, enough deals come along the table and slowly you get sucked out of cash into risky assets. That's how bull markets work. Mm-hmm. And in any normal bull market, and none of them are ever the same, uh, in 2019, when we work imploded because SoftBank raised $100 billion and self-marked up we work and to the point where even goldman sachs had a aha moment and said even we can't take this public in any normal cycle that was the top meaning thank goodness you know that's the scam that was we work it was just a simple leasing business um and the fact that the saudis put a hundred billion dollars into a fund and massa was doing stupid checks those were kind of the signs of the top but then COVID happened Right. And instead of a top, which would have been a less painful, you know, looking out to today, we went into like some extreme thing where I definitely couldn't have predicted this. It was, ha- it was fun, but where not only did Masa not blow up, everybody copied Masa, meaning, you know, Andreessen, Insight, uh, um, D1, Co2, uh that you know the arabs the russians the you know the robin hooders everybody just went on red or green right like okay like new new world right um and it was fun i mean who could have predicted it like you know like when you started your podcast in the spring of 2020 and i started panic with friends in march 2020 like I can look back at it and, and be happy that I like, this is a really interesting, you, if you're ever going to buy a stock, you know, March, 2020 was going to be your time. I couldn't have predicted where it went. I was just like, if you're not going to buy a stock in March, 2020 with the VIX at 80 and the government sending you money, um, you know, and Zoom and Slack and you and all these things that you can do from your home, you may never buy a stock. Okay. But I didn't predict it would be like everybody in the pool and everybody's you know buying crypto and tokens and that i couldn't have predicted so now here we are in 2022 the end of 22 23 and my cash that used to earn zero i could put 10 million in a in a nine-month t-bill and get back four hundred and fifty thousand dollars risk-free in nine months that's real you could pay for my mom go home i could pay for my kids you know you know, if I could spend four hundred fifty thousand dollars, you know, pre-tax, but I can go spend that for not doing any work, versus trying to take risks. So, of course, people my age would be an idiot not to rethink how they're thinking about risk. Okay, now everybody has their own status around four and a half percent risk-free rate, and that's where we are today. Though, for people like me, like you're going to have to really show me something interesting to make me part with my cash because I don't think you understand that the game has changed. Now, yeah. I could be wrong, but I'm talking like the old man to a lot of young kids saying, I want to raise money at a 20 million valuation and, yeah. and I have no product yet and I'm an ex-Twitter, I'm an ex-Twitter engineer and I'm like, well, that's worth three. And then for two years, they hung up on me and now they're calling me back saying, can we do it at eight? And I'm like, no, it's, it's worth three. Meaning for me to take my money out of T-bills, and, and work with you for 10 years, 
I need to have serious upside and we're just so not close. This is just be like seed investing, not just stocks, but yeah. we're so far apart that you're making it easy for me to stay in T-bills. So I mean, we need to get to the point where something risk reward looks like T-bills and the venture market is still so far from reality because they're still living with, uh, what do you call it? Like recency bias. How could yes. they not? It's been 15 years of fun. Yeah. Of course they have yeah, recency yeah. bias. So so that is our problem, or that is the the context of which I will invest for the next nine months to one year. And okay. if hopefully I'm wrong, like here's the thing: hopefully I am wrong, and everybody and rates go to zero, and everybody gets balloons and lollipops and loads up their Robinhood account and doubles their money. That's fantastic. The economy, you know, prolong the you know bear market. I'm good with that. Like I, you know, I, that I'll be looked at as too cautious, the grumpy old man. But it's okay. I'm 57. Like I, I understood the, the risk reward. I don't think enough people are, are doing that analysis. So what and, what happens then? Because you're probably and that goes back to LVMH, which we'll wrap with. Sorry, because I never really probably answered your question. Is the margins have changed now? LVMH is Facebook in the sense that some kid who understands collectibles or is online all day knows that if they buy an LVMH thing the first day or line up at a retail store, it's at least worth their time to do that because they can sell it for double on Etsy or wherever they're going to sell it on their Shopify store versus starting a, a, a Shopify store with a towel that they bought on Alibaba and changed, you know, because they now can't acquire a customer to make that margin work. So the margins are such in the LVMH world of the business that people can build businesses within there. And not at the scale that Facebook happened, but so so more people will want to think through how do I build a high margin product that maybe doesn't have to sell to a million people, but I could sell to a hundred customers. Yeah. So I think yep. those are the things that interest me is like getting back to the basics. Like, you know, if your only skill is to acquire customers on Facebook, you're out of business. Right. Like I wouldn't hire you, but if your skill is Okay, I understand how to write. I understand how to use AI. I understand, not, not coded, but I understand how to get users on TikTok. I understand how to do customer support. I understand how to do A-B testing. I understand how to like acquire users in unique and interesting ways. You are valuable. There's just not enough people trained for that. Everybody's been focused on learning how to do art at NFTs or um, be an engineer at a product person at Facebook or Snapchat yeah. or so the world's just changing very fast right now. Now, would you expect some kind of a, uh, you know, if, if you're not alone in your approach right now, you have far more options to generate returns than you used to. And so the argument for you to part with capital for that startup entrepreneur or that growth company who's doesn't really have, you know, EBITDA in the plan because they're living off of venture capital or the capital markets. And that capital is drying up. So those companies will eventually- They're walking dead. They don't know they're dead. They're walking dead. They will become starved of cash. And so what's yeah. the consequence of that, right? Do you expect like a surge in M&A of, of companies to pick up these at severe depressed values? Yeah. All these companies that raised cash in the last three years are going to have, I mean, so many of them are going to have to go back to the market with down yeah. rounds, right? You're way ahead of the curve here. This is what, this is why markets are fantastic. But, okay. you know, when people on TV yell at people, stay in your lane, you know, the one thing where staying in your lane really does matter. 
like you know politics like oh you're talking politics Dan you're like that's insulting people should have opinions about who their leaders are and and it's it's so insulting that both sides do that but when it comes to investing I trust people that stay in their lane because you build domain experience. Like, why are you got to learn everything? And so we went through this phase here and I'm guilty. <clears throat> Don't get me wrong. I'm guilty with my own money. So people shouldn't be so embarrassed. Like first thing it's like, it's okay to make mistakes with your own money, but I have two jobs. You know, my job is to return money for my LPs. It's not okay to do stupid thing with other people's money. Right. And we're seeing what happens when that happens. And for the last three years, I, because of 0% interest rates and because um, the stuff I wasn't willing to do with my LP money, I did flex and do some stupid things with my own personal money. And that's why people shouldn't feel too bad about themselves because it was 0% interest rates and everything seemed cool. And no one knew that Apple would kill Facebook and that, um, you know, everybody would pull scams on, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Right. So, you know, don't kill yourself. Don't beat yourself up over this stuff. Because even guys like me who know better made a lot of mistakes. But I can see my mistakes quite clearly by looking at quarterly letters of some of the kids that I gave money to or adults that I gave money to that were supposed to be a fiduciary of my capital because they be, they were doing stupid things with it. Not only were they doing stupid things, they probably didn't have enough of their own money, but they had the privilege of investing other people's money and continue to do stupid things with it. Yeah. And that is just not going to clean itself up so easily. And, and that worries me. So there's so many like things in the private markets that just are messy. And that was part of this extended bull market that we had. The private, the public markets will clear themselves up much quicker than the, than the, than the private markets. Um, and that's a bummer for guys like me who who spent the last 20 years investing in private markets and now it's like too hot to touch. But like you said, I unfortunately will have to expand my lane um, mm -hmm. mostly with my personal money because 4% won't be enough probably forever for my, and okay. so, yeah. but I don't wanna, for what I see people offering 30% risk, I think they're joking. Like they don't have a clue how yeah, bad. Yeah. So, so now we're going to, like the world will move to, like you said, there'll be a lot of smart people doing roll-ups and acquisitions of struggling companies. The world will look differently, but it will clean itself up because in the end, it's a supply-demand world and there was just too much supply of everything. Engineers, money, tech, uh, content, uh, stocks, SPACs, startups. So now you got to like get rid of all that supply and so the people that survive best have businesses that actually work. And now it's just a waiting game and a true skill game of kind of expanding your knowledge base. And you got to learn another skill. The skill that worked before is just not going to work. If guys like Howard Marks are saying sea change, we can argue with them, but there is a sea change. Yeah. And he doesn't even know where the money is right to be spent, which is why I'm hiding out in T-bills and giving up nine months of like up-down volatility to just say, at least I know if I put 10 million in T-bills, I got 450 grand back in nine months. You yeah. can be planning around that. So what you're saying, you know, I've heard that a few times from people, for example, a really good friend of mine just had a life-changing exit from his business. You know, the best guy in the world that, that could have happened to, he was a grinder for 40 years, got his, got his ticket clipped. 
now he's sitting on a pool of cash and has no idea what to do with it, right? And he's facing a bigger challenge than maybe running his business for the last 40 years. And that, where do you put uh, some cash that is, you know, and he's out of, he's, he's scared in every direction because no matter where you look, there's a lot of unprecedented volatility. If you're sitting on the sidelines, I mean, that's what you sitting in T-bills is right now. Um, you know, where are you curious though? Like, where are you looking for opportunity? What would get you to take some cash out of T-bills and go to that next, that next entrepreneur, you know, what's the industry, what's the, what's the guarantee or the promise of the plan that would get you excited at this point? Well, my day job is social leverage. So we have a, um, we invest one to $2 million checks. Uh, that's my job into seed stage startups. So, so like I said, the last three years were somewhat easy. Uh, they were hard in the sense of FOMO, but they were easy in the sense of like, we're used to writing a one or $2 million check at a 6 million valuation for us for two founders of kind of a finished product. And we were generally writing checks at six to 8 million per year. Okay. okay. But for the last two years, those were 20 million per year, 25 million per year. So it was just like, okay, we we're out of business. And so, like I said, I did some stupid things with my own money while I waited just in case, you know, just to keep my network, you know, the oil flowing in the network. Right. And whoops probably not was not good use of my personal capital um but i didn't want to blow up the franchise but like it's very hard to it'd be it's much easier to explain to my lps today that hey you know, we had 100 million to invest and we only spent we only invested 25 percent of it you know two years ago they would have said you're lazy uh you don't know what you're doing why are you podcasting uh, shouldn't you be working because fomo was on the other side the investors had fomo yeah as a steward of capital, I was like, I don't get it. So I'm not, you know, I'll put some of my own money to work because I'm an idiot. And just in case, schmuck insurance, but I can't write LP check. Now those people are grateful and they're like, you're smart. And then I don't know if I'm smart. It's just, I didn't understand the game or the game changed so far. It made it easy to avoid the game because the rules were just, everything was so far away from reality for me. So I kind of got lucky, let's call it, not smart. And now it's like the game's changed and now those things are back to near the, the price that we're tempted to do see. But let's remember now the, the, the playing field, 4% interest rates versus zero, four and a half percent versus zero. Apple and Google are our overlords. So if you're going to build an app, it ain't going to be like Uber or Airbnb anymore. And you're not going to grow into China and you're not going to do deals with the Russians, and you're not going to go into LATAM, and Europe's a mess. So you have de deglobalization, and you have valuation compression. So yes, two years ago, I would have written this check at six to eight, but maybe it should just be four. And then two years ago, you could raise four million and have three years worth of runway, but I'm now I'm like, why can't you just take 500 grand and prove this point? Because if you execute, we'll help you find more money. So there's so much re-education that has to happen because of bad habits. It's not just about valuations now. It's about, it's about expectations of what you're supposed to do with my money. And, and you know, with this one year of capital, you need to get these three things ticked off. But for the last three years, people were raising three years of capital. So like, no, you know, the best actor and producer in the world don't get three years to make a movie. They get one year to make a movie. But yet startups over the last few years were getting five years of money. Yeah. You know, I mean, that is just was so it's hard for me to explain how dumb the, the whole thing was. 
Can I ask you, Howard, you know, after... I'm not, again, like, I, this is just one commenter's point. Like, I still made a lot of mistakes. I'm just saying, I can't believe how far from reality things got. Yeah, yeah. Now, now let me ask you, as, as you're investing your time at this stage in your career, you've had a number of uber successful wins in the market, yeah. seed investments in companies like Robinhood, for example, yeah. you know, some business exits in addition. Um What's motivating you to do things like launch a podcast, uh, produce an almost daily newsletter, right? Which is remarkable. I publish a weekly and I have trouble finding time to do it. You know, what's, what's inspiring you to spend time on content creation at this point in your career cycle? Well, I mean, I'm probably not well spent. I mean, I, love, I mean, my wife reads it, my daughter. So, so it's kind of a check. <laughs> Like the people that we're arguing about all day on Twitter, Elon Musk and the left and the right and the journalists are like, they, I don't understand them. Their whole point, like everybody's lost the script. I write for me, right? Yeah. Like I, don't, I don't write for traffic. It'd be nice when it's something well-read if I knew how to get it more traffic. But again, that's not really my job. My job is to tell our story of how we think. And then other smart people, because the way the internet works and search works, other smart people will self-select and find me. So it's kind of like my job. Luckily, I like my job and it's not a struggle for me. Yeah, it's a couple hours a day, but it's not as part of my job. It's not a struggle that I wake up and have something that I have to share. I'm lucky to be surrounded by people that like tell me I'm an idiot. And not every day, but like, hey, Howard, you're full of yourself. You need to talk because they can see me every day online. And I know when I've overstepped my boundaries. Doesn't seem like some of the people that we've given all this power and trust to have those things around them, whether it's family or kids. And there's this lack of shame uh, for some reason. Uh, went all the way up to the presidency and now it's the richest people in the world. They're shameless, you know? And I don't know how that came about but like it's not a good spot you know to be in so my job is to just keep people around that like tell me what it is and how it is but also keeping the right people around me that let me be you be instinctual and um be open to like fresh ideas so what interests me now is is if the world's changed, I always was fascinated by brands and fashion and tech from Apple to Oakley to Lulu to Aloe to Nike, LVMH. I'm fascinated by brands. And Nike, like if you read, you know, Phil Knight's book, I mean, how can you not be fascinated by that business? You know, it took him 10 years to get to 10 million in revenue. How many kids today are willing to work 10 years to get to 10 million in revenue. Oh, and by the way, leave your family, become a drunk, fly to Asia, you know, do crazy ass impossible deals, build factories. Kids today want to be, they want 10 million valuation because, because they have an iPhone. Yeah. Um, so yeah. again, like, you know, I'm inspired by like good stories and good people and good storytelling. And there's just millions of those out there, luckily. So it's hard not to be inspired, actually. It's just, you've got to put the vibe out, right? And so our, my blog and my tweets and stock tweets are my way of saying, hey, man, I'm approachable. Now, a lot of 19, 20-year-old kids read my blog, okay? And then 
guess who I engage with? Those If they read my blog and get the joke or get the context, of course I'm going to call them back because you can't fake that. Like I write to such a narrow type of thinker mm-hmm. in community that if you're engaged, I don't care what age you are, you're pretty smart, right? Um, and if I can, so if you're reaching out to me, I, that's part of my community, then I, I'm interested in like why you thought this was interesting. It's very hard to fake liking my stuff because it's weird. And um, so I have a, this big network of smart people at all different ages that send me ideas. And I also only write about the things that I'm interested in for the most part. Therefore, I attract interesting ideas, whether it's golf, cycling, software, um, stocks, markets. So generally, like, it's curious, like, I don't see everything, but the stuff that gets sent to me is generally on point. So no, I mean, there's no slowdown in like ideas that excite me. It's just, how do you price it? You know, what's the founder's goal? Like, should this be a venture deal? Is there a different way to look at it? Kind of like using my experience to really guide people of how hellish it will be if they take my money and our money, meaning here's our expectations. Whereas like when you're starting out, it's like, oh my God, let's you're in love and let's do a deal. Now it's more like, let me tell you how hard this is going to be. Let me be the old man pointing his finger saying, did you know the interest rates are 4%? Did you know that like, you're never going to get a billion dollar valuation? And I don't care what other people tell you. Do you, do you, know, you know what I mean? Did you know you're not going to open a China office ever? Uh, you know, like, and if they're willing to understand all that and they really have domain experience and we can see each other spending, you know, 10 years together in boards or in text messaging, if we can get through all that, then yeah, I'm excited. I'm always excited to write a check and we're always looking to write checks, but now we're just more, everybody needs to be more honest about like what it takes to get to the goal line. And, yeah. and that's just, just some more brute, you know, honesty of what the markets are going to bash into people's heads. And so the faster founders find those people and are honest to themselves about the journey and the faster good VCs tell the story of what it's going to be like to those young people, the faster we can get to a point where we're investing again. Uh, and so in the meantime, there's a lot of false signal and a lot of like bad deals more than usual because there's just that much money out there. Right. Let me, let me ask you, cause you've mentioned Musk a few times, especially in the context of Twitter. And you could look at this guy two ways. You could look at him as the guy who disrupted the banking industry with PayPal, then disrupted the auto industry then disrupted the space travel industry and now is taking a crack at media, right? That's one way to look at him. The other way, which is the way Twitter sentiment tends to look at people and Musk right now is that, well, Tesla's down 70%. uh, Twitter's become a mess and he's already stepping down as CEO. This guy's impulsive and out of control and doesn't know what he's doing, which I struggle. I'm just going to show my cards here. I think that's so ridiculous when you look at the track record of somebody over the last 25 years and then make a judgment call in six months. And first of all, who are you to criticize? Did you do any of that stuff? But you know, are you long or are you short, Elon Musk, in, in this scenario? Because the, the market t- tends to tear him apart based on what he did yesterday. And I think completely lose sight of the previous two decades and probably what the next two decades might look like. But what, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a fan of anybody that like can make shareholders money. Like that is his job. 
Yeah. Right. So take away everything else as a CEO's job is to return capital to shareholders. How do you argue with those numbers? But now the world's different. I mean, mm. there's people that bought the stock at $400. Like, yeah. That's just the reality. Like, you know, we can get all the data like, oh, I think he's an idiot or I don't think he's a genius. And depending on where you bought the stock, there's going to be fans. But yeah. there's also now a lot of people that are buried. So the oh, world yeah. is going to finally have people that have a different objective, which is like the fucking guy sucks as a CEO, right? Yeah, this yeah. did not exist. So you and I can't have this debate because there's just too many people that have just entered the Musk world six months ago and bought the Kool-Aid and think yeah. like they're fucking freaking out. Yeah. And I don't know what's going to happen to those people because he feels like he's lost his mind, meaning he already won media. Because he didn't own Twitter and own Twitter. So, so that's the only part that doesn't make sense to me. When you have that many followers and can move the markets and you don't have to pay the employees, and you don't have to argue with people, you don't have to fire 7,000 people or carry a sink into the headquarters. Yeah, yeah. You've already won. So that's my problem with, that's where I scratch my head. It's like, what, what do you want to prove? So it's so so now I believe, and then the other thing that I have a problem with Elon Musk is free speech. I had a problem with Jack, I had a problem with the board, I have a problem with anybody that wraps a, a business discussion around free speech. Because in the end, he was buying a business or what he thought was a business. So the whole fucking lie of you know free speech just pisses me off. Because I, you know, I've run a social network and started one, and it's definitely at subscale or at scale well below Twitter. So I've seen everything that he's seen, just not the same volume. Mm -hmm. I've been called a fascist for kicking somebody off stock Twitch. And so I know what it feels like to be called a fascist, not at scale. Sure. And I've also been called a hero, and I'm not a hero, right? I'm just a guy who doesn't like being called either. And for some reason, he likes being called both. <laughs> so there's something wrong with the man in my weird interpretation of Elon Musk, meaning he now has a problem that a lot of people are buried. And I feel that that's a new feeling for him. He's always sure. been the underdog. He's always been the guy that could deliver. Yes. And, and now he's in a new uh, coliseum or a new group of gladiators that have nothing to lose. They're just throwing spears from the crowd, right? And I'm just finishing up. Uh, and he's engaging with the lunatics. Ooh. Like, even I don't do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? And yeah. I'm trying to build audience. He has nothing to win, and he's still fighting with, he's fighting below his, he's punching down every day. Like, is it winning if you're at the World Cup with Jared Kushner? Like, at any whether you love politicians, whether you love the Saudis or not, is that winning? Like, it's weird. go to the game with two of your kids and don't share your location and like put on a hat, like celebrities used to do, you know, and big sunglasses and enjoy the game. No, like it still had to be about he just kicked people off for doxing and then self-doxed himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So again, I don't believe anything he says anymore. And, and I think part of that is just the, the pressure of now he has shareholders who are down 50%. Now, and could there be like, we talked about this, this changing of the tide, right? And uh, insane valuation growth stocks are probably going to be a thing of the past for the time being. And could he be ahead of that curve with Twitter? Meaning 
you know, he took this company and then took it private. He uh, right away addressed the fact that they were going to be implementing a hardcore work culture. And if he didn't want to be in the office. No, he, he did a great thing. He did a great service for guys like me who are venture capitalists who talk to founders over there. Go, you see what he did? Yeah, I just want to Forgetting staff, he just ran, it's like an army. He just ran military cover for you to fire 70% of your staff. Like, totally, you could, yes. You could disagree with his style, but like, there's a smart entrepreneur and mm. just said the world's coming to an end. You can wrap it in any, yeah. I mean, that's why I like Elon Musk because I know how mm -hmm. to read between the lines. 99% of the public seems like they don't know how to read between the lines. So they're reading the wrong things. Sure. And that's, and that's what I worry about. Like, yes, I appreciate Elon Musk giving me cover on every board call I say to say, hey, I don't know what you guys are doing, but Elon Musk just forgetting style. He just fired way late 70% of the people. And I think we could all agree he probably could have fired more at Twitter. Sure. And the Twitter files prove that. Like he didn't, yeah. he didn't make me, he didn't give me any new information with Twitter files. A poorly run company. The inmates were running the asylum. And of course, email looks every makes everybody look bad in hindsight. If every one of our emails is under the microscope, of someone like Elon Musk, who has a point to prove, you're not going to come out looking good. Yeah. And, if, and and for those people that like are throwing judgment around, you're all going to end up in a deposition one day, hopefully not, but normal human beings end up in one or two depositions during their life. And those are not pleasant, whether you're innocent or guilty, because mm -hmm. under the shade of a lawyer and like spin, uh, you never look good. So, uh, you know, so yes. I, I don't want to judge Elon on that stuff because he's like in real time, but I will judge his behavior and it doesn't make sense to me. And if sure. I was a shareholder, which I'm not, I'd be pissed. And that's all I can judge him on. And I think, yeah. but if you're going to look at the 50 year plan, yeah, he'll probably work his way out of it. Well, but, that, that's okay. That's a good way to look at it. Cause I think there's never it's never binary people's personalities and character traits aren't binary and the same traits that just he seems to say yes and then charge there's Very a million ways for him to work his way out of it i just don't know who's going to get screwed yeah okay good point yeah okay so avoid yeah. the battle like there's yeah. better there's easier battles now will so, i have fun and make fun of him and do that that's my that's twitter yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. or yeah. hate me because i'm goofing on elon musk they don't have yeah. the context i get it like i you know sure. but i don't I don't hate the, it's just, I just, I'm, I, I'm a lot. Twitter is the place to be an armchair quarterback on every subject, on everything in real time. That's Twitter. They should, they should call them, change the name to armchair quarterback. Okay. Everybody gets to be the QB. Everybody gets to be the head coach. Everybody gets the CEO. Everybody gets to be, uh, look at stocks and second guess each other. Everybody gets to be a money manager. I mean, what a great product. Mm -hmm. Like I can get the sex appeal and why he's an addict. It's a drug. Yeah. But he yeah. bought the cocaine factory. I don't know. <laughs> like a bad idea. <laughs> if you're a coke addict and you buy a cocaine manufacturing facility, probably not the best idea. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. All right. Look, this is fun. Does that makes sense to you at least. Like I don't want to be an asshole, but does that make sense? No, it absolutely it does. And I, I think that uh, the same traits that have made him as successful as he is are, are the same traits that make him very difficult to understand, land him in piles of trouble all the time, uh, simultaneously just destroy wealth generation, wealth of a lot of his shareholders. Yeah, let's of, be honest, he's destroyed yeah. some shares as well. You blame it on a the lot of dope. You can blame it on whatever. He's destroying and transferring a lot of stupidity and wealth.
Yeah. And a lot of hate and anger. And I'm not appreciative of that. Like, I'm not yeah. allowed to say that. Like, I don't, that's, yeah. you, can, you can be two things. Like, you can be Absolutely. a grand and a dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I am sometimes, you know. Um, but I also have skin in the game and I, have, I run stock twits and it fucking pisses me off. I'm like, right. dude, you don't know everything. I, like, call me. I'll help you. Like, I'm there. Instead, he's gauging with lunatics on the web. Yeah, like that's not a good use. So, anyways, that's it's not about Elon Musk. Twitter is an incredible product. I feel it's in way better hands than where it was. So, I'll be on the record with that. Sure. Jack was terrible. The exact the board was terrible. We can see from the Twitter files that people literally had nothing to do except decide on stupid, like just wage war on people. Um, yeah. That's what will happen. That would happen at StockTwits if we let that happen, right? Yeah. But we have a simple set of rules. This goes back to how we can get back to reality. Some rules-based, you don't need 70 pages of terms of use. Once you get past one page of rules, it gets pretty hard to run anything, whether yeah. it's like a YouTube comment section or whether it's stock twits or Twitter, right? Less rules, the easier is to say, listen, I think you're in bio, but there's like rule, six rules. I see three that you're, I don't even need to go to page two. Can you please behave? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Twitter became a hundred pages of, of terms of use. Mm -hmm. And therefore everybody could throw shade on and, you know, and Elon hasn't done anything to fix that. He's actually led confusion there. Uh, again, no problem with the confusion, no problem with how he's running it, his house, his rules. But when you, when you say free speech, mm. that's what mm -hmm. threw me off. I'm like, I don't believe you know it. I definitely don't know it. I don't think you should be in charge of it or I should be in charge of it or the government should be in charge of it. We have amazing free speech in this country, by the way. Like, I'm doing mm -hmm. that. We have Canada, US, we get to say shit. Yeah, yeah. Taking away Twitter is not about free speech. You got YouTube, you got Signal, Telegram, WhatsApp, Facebook. I just fucking hate that free speech thing. Twitter's just a product and it's a privilege and not enough people are treating it as a privilege. They're treating it as a right. And that's just bananas. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. You and I have this right to convert. And yeah. YouTube has the right to not to say this is not by their rules. Mm -hmm. no, no, no. We would post it somewhere else. And sure. if you act like Alex Jones, enough people will just say, I just don't want you here. Shitting yep. in my it's like the Nile River. If everybody shits in the river, you it'll cause blindness for the next eventually people will get go blind drinking the water. Yeah. <laughs> and Twitter has become the Nile River if you don't know how to drink it. And yeah. uh, so I, I don't blame people for kicking people. If it's your, StockTwits has kicked a lot of people off its platform, maybe for things and maybe we shouldn't have kicked them off. Or our risk of kicking someone off the platform is they become the biggest celebrity on another platform. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a huge risk. Yes. Yeah. So that's the rich. It is often the case when big names are exited from Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Right. It's the best thing for their brand and best the thing for their brand. So, quit, yeah. you know, like people are making adult decisions and, and it's just, you know, we're, Twitter is an amazing product. I hope it survives. I'm rooting for whoever's in charge. I will call out stupid behavior like free speech and all these people like hiding behind like fake, you know, ideas. Twitter's just yeah. a great product that we should, we're lucky to have. Much like YouTube, fucking amazing product. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, look, Howard, I appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming on. I know you got to jump, um, but I appreciate your time. And I'm yeah, happy to do it again. I love talking about markets. Again, we kind of kind of got off subject, but you know, this is a really interesting moment in like investing history. You know, yeah, yeah, you know, with LVMH, with Howard Marks, with Elon Musk, you know, with FTX, you know, with yeah, who knows she's going, she went to jail with, yeah. with you know what I mean, another election in two years with all the debt like with China, with Russia. I mean, we are talking about some really interesting moments. And like, I don't know if people, people really need to gear up and like find their right network of people and like polish it and fine tune it, who they're following, who they're listening to, because it was, it was pretty easy the last 10, 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of how I think about it. Like the next often I get asked like, you know, what do you expect over the next few years in the markets or whatever? And it's, it's like, there's way too much fluidity to make any sort of forecast that I would really lean into. Like I, if I had one is that the 2020s are going to be at yeah, the 2020s have been, it's just sort of yeah. continued unprecedented volatility and uncertainty. And I think we're just getting started here, given all the factors you just laid out, like geopolitical factors, monetary policy factors, market forces, all the stuff, demographic shifts that are occurring globally, yeah. like the a lot of play right now which kind of makes i don't i don't i'm not in t-bills but like i guess my version of that is is hard assets right and so i, I i'm over but hard assets are non but they're non they don't produce any kind of value no yeah. but that's yeah, not good exactly. for the economy it's great for yield feel, but like that doesn't help the world do anything i might not be helping the world yeah no no no. i'm not i'm just saying <laughs> that is interesting it doesn't yeah. interest me I mean, yeah, I'm not bearish. I feel like we've passed the volatility. Now it's yeah, the reality. Yeah, so okay. I think like, okay, zero interest rates, like the sea change. Like now that there's choice, we already had the volatility. We just switched from zero to never seeing zero again. So we that's why that last year was so volatile. Now the trends have changed. And I mean, you're not going to get your money back at Tesla. I won't see $400 again. It just won't. Unless... Yeah. You know, like, of course they could, but not on the path they're on. Yeah. With four or 5%. He's saying so himself. Um, and he's selling his own stock down, down 70%. So come on. But, but I'm not scared because I know that like there's opportunity. It's just different. And so I think the volatility is probably passed. What I think now comes is real pain from people not like they of understanding now there's new ways to make money. And the same things that worked before, yeah, are going to work before. And I think you can easily find new mentors and people to follow on YouTube, Star, Twitch, Twitter, that have you know been more right than wrong and understand this reality. And those people pounding the table, like Kathy Woods, I think we can all agree that the emperor has no clothes, right? She mm -hmm. didn't. She didn't. She wasn't a good steward of capital. She was just a gambler. We need to get past that and find good mentors on the web and use these products, forgetting how Elon's using it, use it for the way it should be used, which is to like find people that could help you go faster and get you to where you want to go. If you enjoy my content, do me a favor, follow or subscribe to this podcast, drop me a rating and a review and share this with a friend. 
All of these things allow me to get bigger and better guests on the show. Now you can catch me all over social media at jmartinbc. Thanks for tuning in.